Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny. And the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now, let's start the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Half Street High Heat, brought to you, as always, by Manscaped. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate each and every one of you listening today. I am Amanda, and I am joined, as always, by my irrefragable co-hosts, Nick and Ryan. Please be sure to find us on Twitter and follow the show there at Half Street High Heat. And don't forget to check out the website, halfstreethighheat.com, which is filled with tons of good stuff. You should be checking it daily. How are you guys doing? Um... Pretty good. So just a little quick story, a little quick weekend update uh, from your boy. Uh, so just because I've been coaching so much and obviously been outside, I always wear a hat and sunglasses. So I have a pretty mean, you know, two-tone tan going on in my face. Um, and uh, so this weekend we were outside a lot. So I decided to, you know, not wear any hat, no sunglasses and just try to even it out. And it worked a little bit. It didn't completely go away, but it worked a little bit. Well, we had a doubleheader again today, and now the tan's even worse than usual. So I have, like, full raccoon status, and it's just 
you know, completely white from nose up and, you know, a nice crisp tan from nose down. Have you considered wearing sunblock on the parts of your face that aren't covered? I do, but I just tan. I tan really easily, so it doesn't matter. I always get very jealous my husband tans very easily, and I just don't. I have the blonde, fair skin thing happening where I just, I burn, and then it goes back to white again. I don't really it's funny, because well. my first season of coaching, I would wear, like, mid-calf socks, um, and that was a horrible mistake, because... I had a mid calf tan for, <laughs> and I'm not kidding. Like it, it stuck. Fantastic. It stuck for basically a, a year. It was insane <laughs> how long it stayed. So now I just wear my ankle socks, and the tan line I have is something fierce. I'll, I'll have to send that one. Uh, no free feet pics uh, to you know the Half Street Height Twitter, but uh, I'll send it to you guys, and so you can see how bad the tan line is. Well, I'll be looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Ryan? You want to tell us about your week? Absolutely no free feet picks. Yeah, I'm back. <laughs> um, I'm no longer high as a kite. Um, I don't do not drugs. Not yet, at but, least. Yeah, not yet. Um, <laughs> I, balls yeah. comes later. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had surgery, so I am I'm back. I'm lying down right now. Um, I watched a lot of TV this week, which was fantastic because it was kind of hot outside. And I'm not sunburned, although I do burn really easily because I am fair skinned and freckly. So I burn really easily. And like whenever we go to the beach in the south, I have to wear like zinc sunblock. Most annoying thing in the world. Absolutely hate it. But my dermat- you look like Mar- Mark Zuckerberg. And, oh, my uh- God. My dermatologist <laughs> yells at me all the time. And I'm like, I'm not wearing it. But I end up wearing it anyways because, like, I don't want to die. So, wear your sunscreen, Nick. But, no, it was a good week. Can't complain. I, I do. I said I wear my sunscreen. I, I'm not burning. I'm I just tan. I care about you. Okay. okay. I love you. Oh, I, lo- I love you, too. You guys are so cute. <laughs> yeah. I don't wear sunblock as often as I should because I'm the same way. I'm very – I get freckles and I burn. So, no tanning for me. I, I just always seem to go from pink and back to white again. But it has been lots of time in the sun, and it has been hot as hell the last few days. But I've Brutal. been uh, getting a lot of good garden time in. I went out this morning at like 8.30 because I was like, well, I'm going to beat the heat. I'm going to get out. I had a whole bunch of work no to do out there. No such thing. There's no, no such thing as I was the out heat. there until about 11 o'clock, and I was just like, I might actually die if I don't go inside <laughs> now. Like, it was only 11 a.m., and I came in. I had to, like, I, I was lying on the floor in my living room for, like, an hour after I came in just trying to, like, not die of heat stroke. Yeah, we have a lot of, like, a good amount of yard work to do, and anytime I, I just, I get home, I'll, like, pause for a good 10 seconds to just stare at the yard, and I just go inside every <laughs> single day, every single day. You've got to do it either in the evening or, like, at 7 a.m. Like Or no... just, like, you know, the third option, which I'm loving right now, is just not doing it at all. Ah, well, that is another option. Yeah. My problem is I put way too much work into the garden to let it all go to hell, and it will go to hell pretty fast if you don't keep up with it. So oh, today my, my potatoes got some love. They needed more uh, hay around them because they're big and have flowers, which is very exciting. I will have potatoes soon. I had to take out my sugar snap peas. Ryan's potatoes are done. big too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Heavy. Surgery. <laughs> Do that anyway. Yeah, I wish you all sort of, I sort of wish you guys listening could have heard the conversation we all had before we started recording today. I had if, to. If there were an R-rated version of Half Street High Heat. This would have been that episode. Anyway. (laughs) All right. So let's go ahead and move on to the quick pitch segment. This week's quick pitch is, is college baseball more fun to watch than MLB baseball? 
So in case you guys don't watch college sports, right now it is the regional tournament for the college, sorry, the yeah, the college world series. Um, and I've been watching a lot of college softball this weekend. JMU is making a good run. Mm-hmm. Also college baseball. It's just fun to watch. Like the actual games itself, they do get a little slow for college baseball, but the excitement everyone plays with, the fans are like singing and chanting the entire time because most of the crowd is bunch just, you know, a bunch of drunk college kids in it. <laughs> yeah, literally. So that's fun. But like the celebrations in it are the most electric thing I've ever seen in my life. And it's so much fun. Um, University of Tennessee won on a walk-off grand slam. The guy who hit it literally walked backwards to first base, staring at the other dugout, threw his bat 100 feet in the air, and then went nuts. And, like, the entire dugout was yelling at the other team. It was electric. Like, you can never do that in MLB. Everyone would lose their absolute cool. But that's normal in college baseball. Like, the celebrations of college baseball are so elite, and I need it. I absolutely need it. Well, it's too bad you need it because you're not going to get it. Oh, I know. It's too funny <laughs> Major League Baseball, but, like, I need it. Yeah, it's uh, um, college baseball is absolutely more fun to watch. The, the thing I struggle with college sports is, uh, obviously, you don't get the continuity most of the time like you do, obviously, with uh, Major League Sports. Um, you know, the, the players are – obviously turning over the rosters turning over more frequently than your major league sports. So that's the part I struggle with, but obviously, you know, in in some sorts you'll get the absolute studs, which are, you know, appointment TV and whatnot, but Ryan, you make a great point. The celebrations make it more fun. You can see the people going wild, especially now with fans back in the stands in in most events you see on TV or, or you may go to Uh, it's not even close in my mind. We, you know, us three right here, and I'm sure most of our listeners enjoy watching baseball because it's either our team or we're baseball nerds and, and we're okay watching baseball. It's not boring to us. But again, we speak in terms of this and in general to kind of those fringe fans, those casual fans that, you know, like baseball but aren't sold on it for whatever reason. And when you watch college baseball, you're like, why is the MLB not really truly embracing this, you know, atmosphere? You get it sometimes, but usually when it happens, it's frowned upon, as you've seen with Tony La Russa and uh, Jace Tangler last year with Slam Diego and Fernando Tatis and, and stuff. So, Or Juan Soto this weekend. Or, or yeah, this- Juan Soto obviously is is the, you know, prime example for, for their, us in this podcast. So <clears throat> it, it's pretty, you know clear to see that one is more entertaining and more uh, captivating than the other. Unless you're a Gator, Florida Gators fan like me, then it's hasn't been entertaining to watch getting blanked by Tennessee in the SEC championship and then uh, losing two in a row and the last one badly. So, yeah, well, I have to say, I really enjoy what I've seen clips online of some of the more outlandish baseball, you know, college celebrations. And they are really fun. And I am, as, as we all know, more of the purest um, on this of the three of us. But I enjoy the celebrations. You know, you look at other sports and whenever somebody in baseball celebrates, everybody's, oh, they need to respect each other. You know, respect the other players and respect the game. There's nothing disrespectful to the game about celebrating. It's just because this, for some reason, everybody's decided that that's not the way you're supposed to play baseball. Mm-hmm. In football, they have choreographed celebrations after sacks and touchdowns and stuff, and it's not considered disrespectful to the other team. 
you know, it, it doesn't need to be. The reason people think it's disrespectful isn't because it's disrespectful. It's because people choose to, to react that way to it. There's nothing inherently disrespectful about it. And it's super fun and everybody enjoys it and you get viral clips and it's on Sports Center. And there's a reason that it, beca- it goes viral and it gets on Sports Center. It's because it's funny and it's entertaining. And baseball could use a hell of a lot more of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More publicity and more people talking about you is never a bad thing. That's why you see these outrageous sports analysts say these even more outrageous things, even though they're not even close to remotely being true. But it gets Looking people at you, talking. Skip Bayless. Yeah, it gets people talking. So they're not going to stop. And you would think a major league sport would recognize this and be like, hey, you know, if he were going to talk about it, good or bad, it's kind of a good thing. You know, it's bringing more attention to our sport. So, you know, why not let it go a little bit more? But that's too advanced thinking for major league baseball and Rob Manfred. They won't even allow streaming. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So I think we, it seems like we're all in agreement on that one that yes, college baseball is more fun to watch and and MLB should embrace more of that. Mm -hmm. So Ryan, since you're back, you got a weekend review for us. I do have a week review. It's a pretty decent one this time. Um, MLB is preparing to crack down on pitchers with substances. Umpires have been given the okay to check pitchers' equipment and balls during the game. They're going to be checking pitchers twice during games, as well as checking their equipment. Any pitcher who's found violating it, found with substances, can face a 10-game suspension. The length of the suspension is still up to date, but right now the rumor is 8 to 10 games. It will be once, sorry, it will be pitchers wants the league to find a happy medium with substances. The union wants the league to create and distribute their own approved substance like they did with rosin bags. All MLB pitchers are, are, excuse me, MLB is hoping the gentleman agreement with substances use on balls goes away and we have yet another moral gray area that the owners and MLB helped abuse, and now the players are being thrown underneath the bus. We already saw pitchers around the league have notably, notably lower rotations per minute. Most notably, Trevor Bauer's RPM was 250 lower on his fastball. Garrett Cole's RPM was over 100 lower on his fastball. There was other Nats relievers today where the RPM was way down as well. Giants became the first team to don pride colors, marking an absolute historic moment for Major League Baseball. Yankees are reportedly seeking for center field and shortstops at the trade deadline. God bless their souls. MLB and all 30 clubs are offering incentives for unvaccinated fans. So if you're unvaccinated, if you go to one of these mass vaccination sites, you can get yourself free tickets to the team of your choice. Two-thirds of MLB teams have reached the 85% mark. The hottest team in baseball right now is the Brewers at 8-9-1. They've now tied for the lead in the NL Central. To the NL least, I'm so funny. In last place are the 24-32 and 32 Nationals. We'll be on talking about them in a little bit. And fourth place are the 25 and 33 Marlins. They did move to fourth place for a little bit. All they had to do was lose eight straight games for the Nationals to pass them in the standings. That was their longest losing streak in six years. They did win a game, and now they're back ahead of the Nationals. Up next are the Rockies. 
In third place are the 20 and 30 Phillies. They took two or three from the Nats. Bryce Harper returns from the IL. And up next, they have a showdown with Atlanta. In second place are the 28 and 29 Braves. They took two or three from the Dodgers. They scored five runs off of Kershaw, and they contributed to Bauer's worst start of the season. LOL. If they can get out their own way, their schedule helps them get things right. In first are the 29 and 23 Mets. They split the four-game set against the Padres, and now they have the Orioles next. But this is a DeGrom appreciation episode. Jacob DeGrom has a 3.2 war in nine starts. That's more than 12 teams' entire starting rotation pitching staffs through 60 games. Jacob DeGrom is off to the best start of any pitcher this year, and he is among the ranks of Bob Gibson's 1968 and Pedro Martinez's 2000 season. His start, his numbers are identical to theirs through nine starts. This has been your week review brought to you in part by your local neighborhood chilies. Make sure you dine on in or get yourself some curbside or get delivered to you from the comfort of your own home and get the amazing triple dipper that's three appetizers for one great meal Mm. well i have a couple of reactions to that the first is that my one big thing for the end of this episode was going to be about mlb giving away free tickets so i'm going to have to think of something else and the second one is those numbers are bananas for Degrom, and I find myself wondering with this crackdown on sticky stuff from pitchers whether we're going to see some him come down to earth as well as a lot of the other pitchers who's uh, improved, so DeGrom, who have improved significantly over the last few years. So when the rumors first came out, it was Friday about the ten game suspension. That's when people noticed a lot of pitchers' rotations per minutes were way down, as well as some of their movement. DeGrom's rotations were pretty on par with where he's been this entire year. Um, His fastball velocity was back up, but again, he's healthy. That can change once this goes into effect, but I really hope it doesn't because he's honestly having a historic season. It's it's absolutely absurd. Incredible to watch. (laughs) Incredible to watch. Although, like I said, I wonder not just about DeGrom. Oh, no, the the entire league. Yeah, it's 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 going to be be very interesting, say, a month from now to look at the difference and the way pitchers are performing. Well, um, Kyle Finnegan, his rotations were down almost 200 as well. Like, guys across the league, their rotations are going to be down. People don't really talk about that when it comes to substance, the amount of rotation and spend people are getting on balls. And something that's going to be very interesting is the number of pitchers who found second life when they went to the Astros, because the Astros were using heavy substance use for a long time. Garrett Cole's worst outing of the season was his last start after the rumor of the 10 games came out. So was Trevor Bowers. So I feel like we're going to see a lot of rough starts for a little bit, but then the league's going to, you know, give a little leeway on it, find a happy medium with the substance and guys outings will come back up a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, as far as the ground goes, it's almost more annoying in a good way that, it's still the same because just out that he's been that good. You you would have hoped as an opposing fan that he would have <laughs> dropped back down to just elite level, not Earth, God level right. Or, Somewhere, right. <laughs> as, like he is now, uh, but he's just that good. And, and you, ha- you have to it, it appreciate it and admire it. Um, as far as the rest of the MLB goes and Kyle Finnegan, I, I can't blame them. Up until now, and even now, technically, pine tar has been legal for pitchers to use. 
like it, it's the no it's like the, the finger wag it's like no 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 don't use pine tar but everyone still doesn't everyone loves turning a blind eye to it mm-hmm. so it's like why why not i don't blame anyone for using pine tar up until this point it's you know it's something that helps you not only with the rotations per minute but control and and all the other benefits of, of pine tar and if they're not going to really enforce any penalty then yeah absolutely lose absolutely use it but yeah it, it's definitely going to be something to watch uh as some of these notable pitchers and just pitchers in general kind of come crashing back down to whatever they're really like without mm-hmm. pine tar but i absolutely agree with ryan at what? some point during the season pine tar will come back and it's gonna be like or something they'll business, have to come business to as usual yeah no, what, what annoys me though about this sorry amanda is no, major league baseball created this Yep. They created this situation. They created this moral gray area. Well, you know, they shouldn't do it, but there's no rule about it. So teams took advantage of it. Spoiler alert, it's the same thing with the stealing signs. If you think your team doesn't steal signs, they do. If you think your team doesn't use uh, pine tar while they're pitching, they do. MLB created this, and now players are going to pay the price this was from the teams this was from the owners this is from everyone and the players are going to be the ones who pay the price again it's like the steroids again a lot of the substances that people use weren't banned substances but major league baseball knew that and then once they got leaked they had to crack down on everyone it's the same thing like major league baseball all these unnamed execs are like oh this is the biggest scandal in sports right now it's not this is just a distraction by major league baseball to take away from the fact that Minor leaguers are getting horrible meals and they can't even afford to live. That's all it is right now. And the owners are going to run with us, take away from that. And that's what irritates me. Verbal meme time. It's uh, the MLB is Eric Andre shooting uh, the the guy in the chair <laughs> and then looking back at the camera saying, why, why would the players who create this moral gray ground? Right. Gray yeah. ground. Gray ground. Yeah. I, um, I find myself wondering, we've talked so much about how they need to find some parity between the offense and the defense, that the pitching's been so dominant. What are all these things they could do? I wonder if this one thing, cracking down on the the pitchers using substances, might go a long way. I mean, I guess we'll see. And and I think we're going to know pretty clearly who was heavily using substances and who wasn't when we see the difference. You know, with the next maybe four or five starts for a lot of these guys, or not just starts, but appearances, I should say, since some of them will be relievers. But, um, yeah, I, I think this may actually go a long way to, <clears throat> to evening things back out, maybe without having to do something as drastic as, like, you don't like the idea, Nick, of moving the mound back or doing something else to... Yeah, this is definitely going to make a difference. Um, and just a hunch, I, I, I think the uh, the guy whose agent is uh, publicly vocalizing his or her opinion to legalize pine tar might be using pine tar yeah. to uh, help his spin rate and help him land That's pretty controversial a, opinion there la- land a 40 million dollar contract uh, per year with the Dodgers um, just a hunch just a hunch just a hunch yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how many people who have signed massive contracts to see if without using the substances, if their performances do not, if their performances no longer uh, live up to the contracts they've signed. I mean, Corbin certainly hasn't. So. Right. But that was before this. 
So it's, it really sucks. <laughs> yeah, but I'm thinking like you mentioned Garrett Cole, like Trevor Bauer, some of those guys to see, you know, what what is this going to look like for them? And if it's obvious and significant, you know, decrease in their performances, that's it's, the, the owners are going to be left holding the bag on, you know, but like you said, they're the ones who created the situation. So I'm not like I'm feeling bad for them. It's just going to be interesting to watch. You're such an owner sympathizer. No, not a not a sympathizer. Was, I mean, they've got they've got joke. plenty of Take money. Take a joke. Take a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's definitely an interesting thing that we're going to see play out, and I think we'll know within just a few weeks, you know, who was who was heavily using and who wasn't. All right. So I guess we have to talk about the Nats. Just depressing. Ugh. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about the Phillies series. <laughs> it was. It was an ugly, ugly series. They lost two or three. Um, they won with Max Scherzer on the mound facing Zach Wheeler. Max pitched rather well, which he has been all season long. And it was, that was fun. That was enjoyable. Yeah, but two runs. You, yeah, you know. You, you stole one when you only scored two runs. and you, you, you take what you can get with this team and like. Which isn't much. Yeah, and <laughs> if if this isn't rock bottom, I I don't know how things can get much worse. So, in case you guys didn't watch today, this was the longest baseball game of all time. The fourth inning today was the worst inning of baseball I've ever seen in my life. Oh, on both teams, it was um, it was just horrible, like, so embarrassing. The inning before that, the Nats had the bases loaded, no outs, with Soto, Bell, Schwarber, Castro coming up. Soto hits a base hit. RBS single, that's the only run they got. Bell swung at pitches nowhere near the zone after Velasquez couldn't find a strike zone to save his life. He hit the freaking pitcher in the face for crying out loud. Schwarber strikes out. Castro stinks. You know what happened. But the following inning, um, the Nats gave up seven runs on three singles. None were hit over 90 miles per hour. They walked four people, including two walks with the bases loaded. There was an error, a fielder's choice, and a strikeout wild pitch. Sam Clay, Kyle Finnegan, and Paolo Espino combined for 48 pitches, only 27 strikes. It and was the worst thing. How long did that last? Seen. So I oh was driving. I was driving to Manassas. I had an appointment in Manassas today. So it takes me like an hour to get there from from Winchester. I felt like that inning lasted the whole damn time. Like it, that inning was just unending. I, th- I think it was like after three o'clock when that inning finally ended. It was the worst thing in baseball I've ever seen in my life. Like Jordan Mercer dropped a routine uh, pop up behind second base. Starling Castro couldn't feel the routine ground ball. And it was just everything about this team highlighted. It was that they can't do anything well. They can't field. They sure as hell can't hit. They can't get people out. And it was just all the little things started going wrong for them. And it was just snowpiling. Like, everything that's wrong with this team was highlighted in that inning. And it was miserable. And then they end up losing 12-6. to 6, And, like, the net fell down behind home plate. Truly was oh, a weird It weird was game. just a comedy of errors and such a long game. How long was the final runtime? It that? was four and a half hours. That It even seemed longer. It's, it seems like it, seemed it was like four hours just to get to, like, the fifth inning. Like. Yeah, it was. It was not the Nats' best game um, or even the best series. And the annoying thing is the Phillies suck, okay? Like, the Phillies are not a good baseball team. You had to win that series because guess what? Your next six games are against the best two teams in baseball. You play the Pirates, and then you have a very tough schedule. 
you lost this series. Remember when you, Destiny told us she thought that the Nats could sweep the Phillies? She, LOL. <laughs> she tweeted um she tweeted the account before the series and she's like it's a it's a good time for the Nats to get right because the Phillies stink. They're not a good no, team. No, no, the Nats are the team against <laughs> which other teams get right. Oh my That's... god, this team is so frustrating. And like they're not even fun. Like no one on this team looks like they're having fun. I'm no, there's fun. nobody smiling. Would you be? I mean, they're just no. playing terrible baseball. It's really hard to watch and you know we all are diehard fans. We love this team. We love it enough that we do a podcast for, <laughs> for no, for, for just in our spare time. So obviously we love the team more than your average bear, but it is hard to watch these games. Sometimes you just don't even want to watch. I have an yeah. official announcement. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. excited. I'm excited. I like official things. Tell me. It is with a heavy heart that I announce, uh, I am out of, out on the Nats 2021 season. The season is over. They are not coming back. And it really boils down to one thing. Because it's June. In theory, there's plenty of time to, to come back. They're now seven games back of the Mets. But that's not insurmountable, you know, again, on June 6th when the season goes till late September. But for one reason, and... Above all else, I am out. And that's because the Nats, for years now, just seemingly can't do what they need to do. Coming into this weekend, they needed to win the series. We highlighted the you know NLE schedule on the last episode, how the Mets were playing the Padres, the Dodgers, or excuse me, the Braves playing the, the Dodgers, and obviously you're playing the Phillies. So it was a prime time to get right and make the most of an important series in the season. Look at the Mets. They played the Padres, like I said. I said the Padres. That's kind of funny. Um, they played the Padres, and they split, and that, that's a good thing for them. They're, they're still decimated by injury injuries, and the, uh, the Padres are a good team, so a split is a win for them. Braves took two of three from the Dodgers. Obviously, everyone knows how – good the Dodgers are so that's good for the Braves the Phillies as bad as they are took two or three from the Nats like they're supposed to the Nats all season long and again it seems like for years now just constantly cannot do what they need to do they cannot you know take advantage of a team that's weak playing them the Nats are the get right team they are the team that other teams look forward to playing to because it's a time for them to get right or a time to add cushion or whatever. They can schedule a bullpen day against the Nats because the Nats offense sucks. The Nats are not winning anything this year, and I'm out. I'm, I'm, I've tried to be optimistic, and it is what it is at this point, but I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like this team is a contender because they're not. This this marching order for a championship team was one of the, you know, worst takes, you know, freezing cold takes I have ever seen because this team is not a contender. And we highlighted this possibility before the season even started. You needed so much to go right for this team to even mm-hmm. be in contention within we your own division. All within, of the people who had to have come back. Your own division. Back. You had to have so much go right. 
not not even just for a World Series, just within your own division. You needed everything to go perfectly just for that best case scenario of what 92 wins. And so far, none of that, not just like one thing, none of that has gone right. Strasburg has been hurt. Corbin has sucked. Bell and Schorber have not been what you acquired them to do. And the list goes on and on and on. Soto's not, you know, typical Juan Soto. He's been fine, but he's not typical Juan Soto. Like it's, it, the list goes on and on and on. So I'm just done. This team is not turning it around. Look at the schedule in June and July. It, they're not turning it around. They're playing teams that are shells of themselves right now, and they can't even win a series. They can't even put up more than like two runs or three runs in a win. They have to have perfect pitching for them to be even competitive in a game. It's just not good baseball. This is not a contender. It's over. It, it, that's just the way it is. I'm out. Yeah, I can't even see them. I think the ceiling for this team would be sneaking into the playoffs, and I can't even see that happening. And that's a high, like, that, that's like your cathedral ceiling. Right. Like, that's not even, I, I can't see looking at the other teams in the National League. I, they're not going to win the NL East. It doesn't look like, I mean, obviously, barring some. Realistically, you know, the, N- the NL East is their only shot at the playoffs. And they're and they're seven games back now. And again, as we've talked about a lot, is you know when they everybody keeps comparing it to 2019, and I just laugh. There's no cavalry coming to the rescue. There are, there's not a lot of injured guys coming back. This is who they have. This is and we did talk about this at the beginning of the year. How many guys had to have a bounce back year? How many guys had to you know play better than you know the back of their baseball card? They had to have an extraordinary year the way this roster was constructed and. Like you just said, not none of those things have happened. Not even just oh, they needed five of those things and only four happened. No, none of those things are happening. So I hate to agree with you on this, and you know I hope this will be a freezing cold take, and somebody will make fun of us. Right, I'd be three months from now and tell us how we gave up too soon. But I can't see this team even contending for the NL East, let alone anything beyond that, or making any kind of a run in the playoffs. So. You know, also, we talked last week about whether they're going to be buyers or sellers. Like they need yeah. to take advantage of the opportunity. Oh, to- y'all aren't y'all aren't ready for my my sell takes. Well, I am waiting for this episode. Yeah. So I was just about <laughs> to say I fully endorse Toxic Chat coming back and just uh-huh. ruining the Nats because we you know we have not won a World Series without Toxic Chat. So that's exactly. something to, to keep in mind. Yeah. But also, Amanda, you bring up a good point, and I see a lot of people comparing it to 2019, and obviously that's large in part due to having rough starts in both 2019 and obviously in 2020, you know, the past three years and four years, you know, to be honest, but every year. um, And and I'm generally not like, I I don't like using comparisons between years, but really with the Nats, I, I don't see the comparison because look at your roster right now, really Trey and Soto are, I guess Robles too, are the only carryovers offensively. And Max is really your only carryover in your staff because Strauss and Corbin aren't, well, Strauss isn't pitching and Corbin's not even close to what he was in 2019. So it's like, where's your comparison here? The help is not coming. What you have right now is what you're getting. Like at least in 2019, 2019, it's like, all right, Rendon's coming back. Like, we'll be fine. Oh, Strauss is still pumping out a good starts. Like, we can get it right. Corbin's, like, you know, living up to his contract so far. We'll be all right. None of that's happening right now. Rendon's gone. Strauss is, you know, 
not going to pitch like we expect for the rest of the year, I would assume. Corbin, you hope, but again, you're just hoping he gets right. There's no, you know, evidence or something concrete. You now have a very big say. sample size of him not right, being good. Right. Thank you. Yeah. There's nothing concrete to say, oh, there, there's hope um, that Corbin will turn it around. Like Josh Bell, we use Babbitt. There, there's no, you know, advanced metric to say, oh, Corbin's just been really, really unlucky. No, he's just been really, really bad. And the Nats have been really, really bad. So I don't feel bad or feel like, um, you know, overreacting by saying the Nats season is over. This team is not a contender. And the more the season, you know, plays out the way it has been, the more I'm bored, more I am on board with selling and start the rebuild now. Let's try not to waste Juan Soto while he's here because there's no guarantee he will be here post this contract. So let's try to get the most of him now and rebuild around him. I am. I'm really happy I'm hearing this because I was out on this team before the season started. I looked at this roster and thought there was no way in hell this team could Well, I mean, I didn't have him making the playoffs either, so I was right there. I mean, I was, I I thought 71. You were lower. Yeah, you were lower than I was. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, I mean, the people keep bringing up 2019 and they want to be positive and I get it. That's completely fine. You have every right. No one's coming back. This team is fully healthy and can't win games. The problem is the Mets have the second largest division lead in baseball. The Mets are getting healthy. The Mets are about to take off at this division. They are positioning themselves to do so. They have stayed afloat. They're playing good baseball right now. They're down. They're down a lot of guys, and they just split with the Padres, who are probably the second or third best team in baseball. They split with them down this many guys. They're slowly getting healthy, and Francisco Lindor over his last 30 games is hitting 300. No one really is talking about that, but Lindor is also getting going. Pete Alonso is back. They're going to start taking off which hurts the Nats even more. It's just not a good time right now. The vibes are absolutely terrible. And for once, I want someone within this damn team to show some sense of urgency. And I'm tired of Davey going, well, the hits are going to come. Things are going to come. You know, we keep doing what we're going to do. You keep doing what you're going to do. You're going to keep losing games a lot because you're not doing anything right. It just, it's, it's very, very annoying. And like I said, y'all don't want to hear my takes on what they should do at the trade deadline. It's not a single person's going to like it. Well, we'll save that for another episode. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, all right. That was exciting. <laughs> I, I don't know what you can expect people to feel like after a series like they just played, though. I mean, it's just awful. So uh, let's talk a little bit more nuts and bolts on that. So Robles, since he came up the IL, has been in a total um, hitless slump until today. He did have two hits today. Yes, both he did. doubles, I think. I was in and out of my car listening on the radio, but I believe they were both doubles. Yeah, he was he was over he was over his last eighteen when he came off the IL. He did have two doubles today, so he's two for twenty. Again, Robles' thing, it's not offense, right? Robles just isn't a good hitter, and that's fine. Like I've said before, his comp is JBJ. Justin Maxwell was talking about the broadcast where he said as long as he keeps playing that defense. It's okay. And it's true. He made some very, very good defensive plays in the outfield this weekend. He did when he first came back. That's fine. The problem is, though, the Nats went into the season thinking he could be their leadoff hitter. The issue 
he can't even get a hit. So that's what hurts. You want to see him get going, but again, as long as his defense is there, I'm not going to complain about Robles. Yeah. No, I think that's, you know, we expected him to be a five-tool player, and he's not, and that's disappointing. And he, uh, he certainly is an elite off hitter. But, you know, as you said, he's elite defensively, and you can live with that. It's just, it's just hard to take when you expected so much more. I'm just always going to go back to the, this past offseason because I feel like we missed out on a lot. But um, just the, the, the people who were screaming through Twitter saying they would take Victor Robles over someone like Nolan Arenado, <laughs> I just, I, I'm just floored <laughs> in this watching the season play out is just like, watching a train wreck in slow motion or whatever the, you know, the, the saying is, it's just, it's insanely frustrating. And I know we'll talk about it as we get closer to the trade deadline and we're still a little bit of ways away. I think you really have to consider trading Robles because he is a JBJ right now, but JBJs are quite frankly, a diamond dozen. You can find elite defense in center field in sacrifice offense. So there's, Got to be a team out there that says, I think we can turn Robles around. He was a highly touted prospect. I think we can get most uh, more out of him than the Nats are. Yeah, which, or we've honest, got enough. We've got enough honestly, offense. <laughs> quite honestly, I think there might be a team that truly can do that. <laughs> but <laughs> if you're in the Nats, and this is obviously in part of a large you know, trade deadline plan, obviously your one move at the deadline is wouldn't be to trade Robles without – several other corresponding moves as well but he needs to be in that conversation just as much as Max Scherzer and some of the other guys you might not expect to part with well yeah uh, I at this point I still don't want to see them trade Max but like I said we'll do that when we get to closer to the trade deadline we'll have an episode more geared towards who we would and wouldn't trade and all of that but yep. yeah I, I, I would not be sad to see Robles traded at this point Okay, so Austin both has a broken nose after getting hit by a pitch. Um, the latest was that he will be staying in Philly tonight to get that dealt with. So it must be pretty nasty if it needs to be. He's hospitalized and needs to have it dealt with there instead of just letting it heal. On yeah, the they said they said it has to be realigned. Um, Ouch! Very happy. It's just a broken nose. Anytime you take a fastball to the face, you're could be worse. Some potential terrible things. So. Hope he has a very speedy recovery and hope everything goes well. And then let's talk Tanner Rainey. Um, speaking of things That's that, are, not. that are disappointing. <laughs> 11.2 ERA so far yeah. this season. Um, he Trevor has, Rosenthal is laughing somewhere. He has 20 appearances this year and they just haven't gone well. He's been really interesting. The velocity has been down. It's been back up, and then the command wasn't there, and then his velocity was back down. He's just not seeing results. Um, the Nats were definitely expecting him to continue that big jump he took last year. He hasn't. The good news is there's other guys who honestly kind of have stepped up this year, so it makes him being this much of a struggle hurt less because other guys have jumped up, but it's just disappointing to see because – you know, honestly, the second half of 2019 and how he pitched last year, you thought they had something here, but maybe it's, maybe, I don't know, maybe they don't, maybe he's hurt, but whatever it is, not a good year for the guy. 
that's yeah. an understatement. <laughs> if at this point you gotta just let him work through whatever he's working through. Uh, relievers are volatile, so you know he could come out tomorrow and have an immaculate inning or something. I, I you know, this is just something that's pretty commonplace for relievers. And if you are a reliever and you can work through this, then obviously that shows something. But if you can work through this and be consistent, that's what gets you paid. There's very rarely like that level of an elite reliever. I mean, we've seen Rolda Chapman, Josh Hader do it, but, um, and Kenley Jansen to an extent, but for the most part, the, the best relievers are the ones that can work through their, you know, volatility that's a word right it is indeed yeah the relievers that can work through the volatility um so like being a really i'm getting a little nerdy right now but being a reliever is completely different from being a starter in that you know a starter if they are feeling off right um they have hours and hours before game time to kind of tweak and you know fix things and even if during their start if they're off, well, they have more innings to, you know, kind of get right and, and play with it and, and fix it. Whereas a reliever, you get your one inning. And chances are, yeah, you can work before the game, but you, you don't know if you're pitching that day for the most part. You, you just got to be ready when your name is called. So you have to get hot quick and you get one shot. It, sometimes it's an inning. Sometimes it's, you know, a batter. If it's the end of an inning, sometimes it's three batters, whatever it may be. So if you're not right, if you're not ready to go, then you're going to struggle. So I don't know, obviously I'm not a major league reliever, but I don't know how the preparation process works for these guys. And if it's something organizational that maybe the Nats are mishandling, which wouldn't be a shock, but, um, yeah, it just seems like Tanner Rainey hasn't really gotten his feet under him. His velocity's fine. I think it's down like a tick or two, but nothing too alarming. Not like Strauss level velocity, you know, decrease. But it just seems like we're kind of expecting Tanner Rainey to be as great as he was last season, when last season was really his only great season. Right? Yeah. There, there hasn't been that large of a sample size. So I'm not saying this is who he is. But I'm also saying he's not automatically an elite dominant reliever. Yeah. Well, I hope he can he can improve to something like he was last year, even if not all the way to that point. But yeah, it's it's definitely been a big turnaround. I don't know what I expected from him, maybe not to quite reach the level of last year, but I didn't expect him to struggle this much. But um why don't we move on, Nick? Um Maybe you can talk to Tanner Rainey about how to avoid having disappointing balls and give him a <laughs> message from our sponsor. Yeah, I know. Uh, heaters, if you have giant elephant balls like Ryan, then the Lawnmower <laughs> 4.0 <laughs> might be for you. Oh, different. <laughs> the Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths through with sizes 1 through 4. So you can literally, you know, get a nice uh, skin fade if, if that's truly what you want. Their new new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which is just fancy talk for saying the battery lasts longer. And uh, with that, 
I'm sorry. I'm still focused on elephant balls. I, I was waiting so long to say that. Who among us <laughs> can focus uh, on anything else? After you guys have your clean balls, clean up your cologne game with the refined cologne as well. It's the same signature scent that's in all of the Manscaped formulas and products. So the cologne is a perfect complement to the collection. It's light, approachable, and gentlemanly in all the right ways. So whether it's a gift for you or, you know, for your dad as Father's Day is approaching, or for anyone in your life, choose Manscaped. And you can do that using our promo code HSHH20 for 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped. You cannot go wrong. I say this every single time, and I truly mean it. You cannot go wrong with any of their products. But the Lawnmower 4.0 is truly revolutionary, and I love a lot of their other formulas. And I use the clone anytime I go out as well because it is a light and not too overpowering scent. So... I use Manscaped to to refine my grooming game, and I suggest you guys do as well. So use our promo code HSHH20 for 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped. All right, so why don't we preview the next series? Um, what yeah. are your expectations? So the Nats go to two games down to the Trop. They have a two-game set with the Rays, and here's the thing about the Rays. They're good. So they... Won 18 of 19 not that long ago. They came back down a little bit. Um, by a little bit, I mean they lost 2 or 3 to the Yankees and they took 2 or 3 to the Rangers. They're good. Um, their pitching is their biggest strength. The Nationals, unfortunately, have to face Tyler Glass now on Tuesday because, you know, that's just how things go for them. He's having a fantastic year. In his five starts at the Trop, he has a 1-7 ERA and 55 strikeouts. On Wednesday, they are going against Shane McClanahan. He is more of a younger, unpolished guy, kind of someone like Spencer Howard. The first couple innings are going to be very, very strong. He has the potential to fall apart. That could be the game that the Nats steal. Unfortunately, Patrick Corbin is pitching, so maybe not. Um, they rank top 10 in starting pitching ERA. They rank top six in bullpen ERA. Their bullpen is always strong. It's a Tampa Bay Rays. They just pump out pitchers. Offense, they're average. They are third in RBIs because they are very, very dangerous with runners in scoring position. That's where they do their damage at teams, and they slowly chip away at you in the late innings as well. What? They score with runners in scoring position. They drive in. That's interesting. Is it's, that allowed? It's, it's a concept. You know, they yeah. they were shut out through the first seven innings not that I long ago. I don't know and then, her. And then they scored, you know, eight runs in the eighth inning. They they get at you. And they also love to steal bases. They're fourth in baseball and stolen bases. The Nationals have thrown out the most runners on the base pass. So that's going to be a very interesting matchup, unfortunately, for the Nats. You just lost 2-3. Now you have to go face Tyler Glass now. I don't expect them to win a game of no. those two. <laughs> I'm chalking this up to two losses. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's exactly what I was going to point to is at least in, well, granted it, it didn't mean much, but coming into the Philly series, you said, oh, well, we get Max facing Wheeler, so that's probably going to be a wash, which for the most part it was. We won 2-1, to one, so, you know, you, you basically went best versus best or second best and and you you got the best of it but now you're going ray's best versus nats i don't know lester might be our second best unfortunately i know i was about to say and then i was like where do you even <laughs> but 
sigh very very <laughs> clearly on different tiers um so you're going to have some tears when you watch uh oh i like what you did there thank you thank you that was on the fly um and i didn't (laughs) want to talk about it because i didn't want to get off on a huge rizzo tangent but uh, i know ryan was right there with me in the off season we wanted taiwan walker for our four starter and instead we got john lester and meanwhile taiwan walker is sporting like a 217 era so uh, anytime you see lester I just get mad. And Shaq was on to something when he said Lester was going to be the player he hated. I don't know. I think there are way more hateable players on this team right now than well, John Lester, I just but hate sure. The team, but, you know, a trendsetter is a trendsetter. So you got to, you know, got to respect it. Exactly. All right. So I guess we're going to have a fair or foul next, which is always fun. Uh, Ryan, are you doing this one? I'm going foul for everything. So in case you guys don't know, fair or foul is a monthly segment we do here. I am going to ask six statements. If Nick and Amanda agree, they will say fair in a little statement. Why? If they don't agree, they will say foul. There's going to be three questions about the nationals and then three questions about more baseball two of them are in the least related so yeah let's get into it so our first one fair or foul the nationals should call up carter keboom and luis garcia to start every day at third and second base fair absolutely mm. there's nothing to lose at this point what is what what is castro doing for you right now i mean uh, okay i don't um, know. I'm, I'm foul just, on this one. Nick, no. what, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm foul as well. Uh, I think it would... Uh, I don't know what's going on with Carter Keyboom. Um From, you know, a casual baseball fan perspective. He has perspective. been playing better in June. Yeah, like from a casual baseball fan perspective, I, I, I call it the yips or like, you know, the, the lights are too bright for him uh, right now at the Major League. So I would rather him and Luis Garcia get more seasoning at the AAA level, even though they are, you know, starting to turn a corner and doing pretty well, you can't don't jeopardize that again for a lost season. Like I just said, this season was, yeah, there's no harm in doing it as far as like what the production on field will be, but there is harm potentially in what you're doing to their progression. So I'm foul. Now, see, I, I just look at it differently. I guess I, to me, there's no harm in it at all. Like there, if you're going to play them every day, then bring them up and let them, let them sink or swim. You need to know what you have in Carter Keyboom. You're not going to find out if you leave him down in AAA. And he has been playing better. I forget who was said it on Twitter earlier. I saw somebody saying he has an OPS, you know, over a thousand for, for June. Now, obviously that's an extremely small sample size, but he's doing much better and his confidence is probably higher than it's been. So I no, bring him up. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But let at least let him get more of a sample size. Like, don't say, "Oh, it's been four games in June. He's OPS over a thousand. Bring him up. He's ready." Like, let well, he's let clearly that play, not ready. Play, let that play out a little bit more. So hopefully, he rides into the major leagues whenever he gets called up with a little bit more confidence than he had previously. I feel like if you're gonna, if if the season's lost, if the season's not going anywhere, they're not going to win anything. I'd rather let him play the young guys, and hopefully they'll be more ready for next year. And if well, Carter Keeboom comes up and fails again, then you know, you know they can I can see him that, into the sun. But it's all a moot point currently because they don't have the roster space to call them both up. You would have to DFA and or trade some people before they do that. Yeah, or point. you know, extensive injuries. Yeah. Well. 
Amanda, you segued into the next one, and Nick kind of talked about it already, but I already had it written. <laughs> fair or foul? Are we approach? Sorry, excuse me. Fair or foul? We are approaching lost season status. Fair. I mean, you really had to ruin my bit. I was going to go foul every single one, but this is fair. <laughs> I, I just can't. I canceled the season. The, the season is lost. Yeah, there's All no way right. this is a contending season. Even you know, maybe they won't finish as off as poorly playing as, as poorly think, as they are right now. But they're not going anywhere. This is not. You may, you said it perfectly. Matter. Yeah, these but you said matter. it perfectly, Nick. This team is not a contender. No. All they right. Moving on. Fair or foul, Starling Castro ranks among Mike Rizzo's worst free agent signings. Mm. Oh. Uh, foul. I think there have been worse. <laughs> I, I don't blame him for last year because, you know, an injury is something you can't predict. Um, and then coming back from a major injury is something you can't predict. So, you know, when they signed him, I think he had, he had reasonable stats and it looked like a decent it looked like a decent pickup at the time. I didn't hate it when they did it. So I think judging it in retrospect isn't really fair because nobody knew what it was going to look like two years later. Yeah, I was just going to say with the benefit of hindsight, I think the answer is fair. But uh, I agree with you, Amanda. I didn't have – I wasn't up in arms when they did it. So And he doesn't um, have the benefit of hindsight. So to say it's right, one of his worst exactly. accusations. It definitely, like, it definitely played out as one of the worst. Just, you know, obviously – Injuries happen, so it is what it is. But um, for a guy that historically has always been healthy and available to be injured shortly into his first season with the club is obviously a a punch to the gut. And just seeing how um, he's played this year, you almost wish he wasn't available because it's just been that bad. Um, I'm going to say fair because I can't think of many other ones. I don't – I automatically – exclude all one-year deals because i don't i truly don't believe there's a, such a bad thing as i think trevor rosenthal was the second time i brought him but up again was that's a, bad, a one-year that was a one-year deal but so it I, was a terrible one-year deal i i that was a bad one-year deal i don't i don't even i don't consider that because it's a one-year deal but also trevor rosenthal turned it around he after. did but so that's it's my like, point is it was a bad one-year deal it no, was no i i don't think well in my perspective, I don't view it that way because there was clearly something there. It's just maybe the Nats didn't have the the coaching infrastructure there or the, you know, strength and conditioning, whatever goes into, you know, someone coming back from injury. Maybe the Nats didn't have the right formula for Trevor Roosevelt because okay. there was very clearly something there. Let so, me throw Patrick Corbin in the in the ring. That's an interesting so, one. I do like that one. Well, I, I hate that one, but I like that one. So um, I think it's too early to judge but whether did, that turns Ryan out to did be say, a bad one. Ryan did say one of the worst. He didn't say the worst. That's true. That's a good point. But and I don't know that you can call Patrick Corbin one of the worst yet. I mean, but well, right now, probably not, not yet. But I, I just if, can't. If what we're seeing now continues for the duration of this massive contract, then yeah. For some reason, I'm just blanking on more of his, you know, quote unquote, bad deals. Like Jason Worth, I don't consider it ended up being a bad deal, but that was just the length. Like he did have some productive years, like the front had the contract, like everyone mm-hmm. expected. So I'm not considering that. Um, you know, obviously Daniel Murphy was great. Yeah, extending was Howie was great. Um, I, yeah, I think this is one of the worst, but that's mainly just because I'm going dumb, dumb brain and I can't think of any others. <laughs> 
dumb dumb brain. So it's Corbin. It's probably going to be an ugly couple of years. You may be stuck with him for a while, but what Corbin did in 2019, and I hate being like this, but honestly, lived up to it. I made it worth it. He, even he, if he, yeah, we talked about this last episode. Yeah, he, I agree. He, he pitched three shutout innings in Game Seven. I agree. Yeah, like yeah, no, if you get that, nothing else priceless. out of him, I'll take it and walk that's away thing, happy because like, it's not my money. No, like. If they didn't win the World Series, the Nats, you can't give six years to Patrick Corbin post would be the most trolled post of all time. But like, because they won the World Series, you can't really troll as much because he was important to it. That's my only thought process on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I think Trevor Rosenthal is the, like, yes, there's no such thing as a bad one-year contract, but the outlier to that's Trevor Rosenthal. But... We move on to the next one. The Mets are the only team in NL East that will finish with more than 85 wins. Hmm. Um, okay, I have to do some math here. And like I said, I, I'm gonna I, go I currently have foul. dumb, dumb brain. I think the Braves will finish with more than 85 yeah, wins. Yeah, I would say the Braves are the only um realistic option i don't think the phillies get to 85 i would have a tough time not seeing the braves get to 85 but they don't have great pitching freed hasn't been great you know is still out for a while soroka is probably on the shelf for the season morton hasn't been great uh i don't know how ian anderson's doing but again what was thought to be a great strength of theirs is clearly not but their offense is still good i'm gonna say the braves get to 85 so i'll go foul all right, all right, I like it. And moving on to our next one, fair or foul, the Yankees, who just got swept by the Red Sox, will not make the playoffs. Oh, fair. I'm going to go fair on that. Ooh. Um, yeah, I mean, the Rays are in the East, and then trying to think of wildcard teams. I think one comes out of the West. So it's like, are they better than the Red Sox and the Jays? I'm going to go no. So I'll, I'll say fair. They will not make the playoffs. I also think <clears throat> we're going to see some rough Garrett Cole starts, uh, circling back to that pine tar talk we had at the top of the show. I agree. I do not think they do. And our last one, fair or foul, the Phillies will go through their second rebuild before the Nats decide to rebuild. Uh, That's probably fair. Because this is supposed to be the Phillies' contention window, and they they suck. <laughs> I don't yeah. think – I'm going to say foul only because I don't think they're going to sell. You Like, to go through a full-fledged rebuild, you got to sell. And obviously they have Harper for 11 more years. They just locked up Real Muto for what? How long has it got? Five years? It was a five-year contract, yeah. So five years. They have Nola for, I believe – three more years um and i don't think so if you're just going off nola's contract because it's the shortest they have wheeler for through four more years so if you're going off nola's contract because it's the shortest i don't think they're gonna sell in the next three years so mm, that's an uh, interesting point with those contracts you're probably right i don't know how but i also full-fledged rebuild right so i don't think it'll be a rebuild whereas look at the nats um 
they only have Soto for, I oh know they have him for a little bit longer, right? It's four years. I think yeah. until if they can resign Trey oh. and build around those two guys and rebuild mm. around those two guys. Uh, yeah, I, I think the Nats will have to go. I don't think either go through a full-fledged like uh, Marlins-level rebuild. But if you're talking about who becomes sellers to, I guess, retool first, I think the Nats will do it first. Yeah, I can't really see either of them doing it. Yeah, probably not. They're I, just both... don't, I honestly don't know if the Nats have a full-on rebuild in them. I, I don't know. Like We haven't it... seen them do it. Right. It's been so long. It's like, what does that even look like? Like the, the Red Sox, they have their formula down and, um, you know, the small market teams accept that they're small market teams, so they're probably not going to be driving in uh, great big mar- big name free agents. So it's uh, it's like, what do the Nats, what does a Nats rebuild look like? Because we, we sucked for six years and then we've been, been contenders good largely. for yeah. 10 years or so. So it's like we we've never really gone through this. This really would be the first Nats rebuild if yeah. they do it. And I and and just knowing Rizzo's kind of temperament and I I don't know I don't know what it'll look like or if they'll do a true rebuild. Like to me, if you're going to do a true rebuild, you do it around Soto, obviously, since you have several years left of team control, and try to re-sign Turner. I and, think to, re-signing Turner doesn't make any sense if we're going to rebuild. If this yeah. team, if they put off a rebuild, you need to fire every single person in the front office. The absolute worst thing you can do as a GM is mistaking where you are and then delaying the inevitable. Delaying rebuilds and retooling ruins your franchise. That's all I got to say about it. Yeah, the, the thing about a rebuild and a GM is in order for a GM to be able to do a rebuild is you either have to be a small market team and accept you're going to suck or you have to have giant elephant balls like Ryan does. And I don't think uh, Mike Rizzo is either of those. So I don't think he's going to do a true rebuild. Yeah, I, I doubt it too, but I guess we'll see what happens if they, we'll see at the trade deadline, truly, if they, if they accept, understand and accept where they are, we'll know at the trade deadline. Let's just do our trade deadline episode next episode. Well, then we won't have anything to do when we get closer to the trade deadline. We can do it again. It's fun. <laughs> it's true. I do like tra- I do like trade talk. <laughs> All right. So just one more segment for us tonight, which is one big thing. And I don't have one because mine was about the vaccines for free baseball tickets, which I thought was super cool. And if for any reason, those of you listening haven't managed to get your vaccine yet, what a great way to do it and get some free baseball out of it. So the Nats are... They're not one of the teams that are only doing tickets to people who are vaccinated, right? Because you saw how some some teams are only selling tickets to vaccinated people, right? Right. So, so the Nats are not there yet. They're they probably they not. probably won't be. Um, but I'll I'll just do Amanda's for you. Uh, I plan on going to Nats games at some point during the season and just you know becoming more of a clown and giving the Nats my money when they don't deserve it. Um, if you're not vaccinated, get away from me. Stay away from me. Here's here's the good news. Here's the good news. Okay, the Nats stink. <laughs> no, no one's gonna be going. Like I, 
I did not realize this. The Phillies just got approved for 100% capacity, and it was this weekend. And I don't think there's more than 20,000 people at a game this weekend. I think the today before the But, Ryan, they can fit collapsing. more people here and here and here and here and here. <laughs> yeah, I think they had 15,100. I was listening to Dave and, uh, Charlie and Dave on the radio. I think they said 15,100 was the announced yeah. number, and they had 100% capacity available. Today... Today I'll give them a I'll give them a thing. Um, the Sixers were playing. I get that, but like my God, it was empty the entire weekend. <laughs> I I didn't even realize they got approved until someone said something, and I was like, "Oh, that's embarrassing." <laughs> then again, the Marlins don't want to go above twenty percent because they're embarrassed. So yeah, maybe the Nats will stink and no one will go, and that means. I can keep putting my feet up at games. Yeah, the Marlins don't go above 20% because that doesn't change their year-to-year, you know, revenue. It, that's exactly right. what they're expecting anyway. 20% so. is their high-water mark in a normal <laughs> yeah. year. So. Yeah, exactly. All right. Do you have a big thing, Ryan? Oh, yeah, he has thing. two big things. They're oh, called giant elephant balls. Stop yeah, look, talking am, about Ryan's balls. What I is am, wrong with you today? I am absolutely built different. But no, all, all I have Literally. to say is... I don't know. I'm like, I'm not even gonna say like, I'm not even gonna say like, please get it together because I don't think they can, and I'm tired of saying it. All I will say toxic is, Shaq. Toxic Shack, Toxic Shack will return, Toxic Shaq. and I am going toxic to slowly Shaq. unveil the 11 players that are on my list right now, and Toxic Shack will return. Okay, 11 players. 11 We've players been are on warned. my list. Oh God. Oh, all right. So this wasn't my one big thing, and I meant to talk about it, but I'm hoping. I can apply for um, leniency on behalf of Joe Ross because one, he still went six innings, and two, he did not give up an earned run. So you I'm can't hoping call for Toxic Shack a- and then ask for leniency for no, I, I sure as hell works. am because I'm going to bat for my boy Joe Ross, even though he's the best hitter on the team. I need Toxic Shack to please show mercy and give Joe Ross a little bit of an extension. <laughs> Look, all I all I. All I know is Joe Ross had the quality start. Thank you. That's all I know. That's all I know. Real recognize real. Real recognize real. Absolutely. Right, right. Dap it up. Bet. Bet. Um, my one big thing is just kind of to re- reiterate what I said before. I- I'm out on the season. I'm still going to watch like the clown I am. I just bought more Nats merch because, again, I'm a clown. I'm a clown. Oh yeah, um, I will. I will in the same breath bitch about the Nats and then go buy another hat that I don't. Yeah, I have like exactly. I have like five hundred Nats hats and I'm like, ooh, I don't have that one. <laughs> literally so me, literally me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm out. I just I don't see this team being a contender. I think it's we're at the breaking point. We've all three, you know, seen this coming for a while. That the day of reckoning, as far as the Nats deciding what to do with their future and how to approach it. I think it's here. Uh, it was already, you know, circled on the calendar based on really the Max Scherzer contract uh, and that being the end of a quote unquote era for the Nats. Granted, they could resign him, but it does mark, you know, a transition into a new new phase of this team mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to, you know, the 2014, no, it was 2014, 2015. I'm mixing my years, but yeah, 2015 to like 2020, really 2019 Nats that, that those days are gone, which again is why I don't like comparing 2019 to this current team. Cause again, those days are gone, but I, I think it's here. I think you really need to start thinking about the future of this team. And I hope like Ryan said earlier, 
Mike Rizzo can identify that this team needs a drastic shakeup more than just a couple new pieces. They need a drastic shakeup that can only be done in one way, and that's selling. You really need to sell. There's no point in losing Schwarber, Hand, Gomes, um, you know, some of these other pieces for nothing. It it doesn't do you anything if you're just going to be at best 80 an 80 win team are you still as filled with impotent rage as i am about the fact that they did nothing last year at the trade deadline no only because they i was okay with them thinking they're a contender especially last year it's like why not anything could happen doing nothing was definitely the wrong move i wish they would have at least added a bullpen piece or something. I, it wouldn't have yeah, made like a if difference. If you weren't going to sell, which is what you should have done, yeah, then, it, then you should have at least done something to try to become a contender. Right. right. It, it it wouldn't have made a difference, but I'm not as angry of that as at that because it was such a weird season and you're coming off a World Series win. It's, so it's like you don't want to immediately sell the year after, just if only for pride. So I get it to an extent, but the fact that this is extended on, it's like, all right, like what more do you really need to see to prove that um, you need to sell? Your team literally consists of Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, Juan Soto. Yeah. Like that that's your team right now, and, and you're still in, trying to say you're a contender. Those those guys can be the best guys on any um on any team, like on any contending team. But they're not enough. They can't do by it by themselves. themselves. Right. 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 That is an irrefragable point. Yeah. I never asked you what that meant, by the way. <laughs> it means, and Brian will love this one, not to be disputed or contested. Well, and, you know, there, there's really no way you can. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was, I was pretty proud of that one. It was a good word for this evening's episode. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that is it. Um, Nick, do you want to tell us whatever the thing is you're going to say after I ask if we have more things to say? I got nothing. <laughs> it's a miracle. Well, thank you all, as always, for joining us. Oh, wait. The interview I teased will be out Thursday. We, we're interviewing him tomorrow, so it was after this episode dropped. But it will be out Thursday. It's an interview I'm really, really excited for. So I hope you guys like it. I think everybody will. Okay. Thank you, Heaters, as always, for joining us. Please make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And if you wanted to leave us reviews wherever you get your podcasts, we would certainly appreciate that as well. Um, Nick, Ryan, have a great night. We will talk in a couple days. I was going to say let's go Nats, but it sounds kind of like contradictory after what i just said so like where you can you know you know that the gif of the girl crying while she dances it's our our let's go nats right now there's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the potomac a new team is mowing down the ranks of their opponents the nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later let's Let's go Nats, we're gonna score for score, we're gonna win for
the early light of dawn Well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching Are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress That they might not want to look Cause we're fucking curly W's And everybody For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.